You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? You sons of bitches. <laughs> Hopefully everybody is having a great week. And uh, we're going to sauce it up a little bit on this uh, on this episode with a guy that I always like to bullshit with. His name is Justin Czar. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, he comes on and we just kind of BS and we bitch about things and we talk about what we've been doing, what we're going to do, uh, all that stuff. We make fun of ourselves a little bit. Um, you know, me and Justin, we're a little bit, we're both a little bit of a hypocrite and we're, we're both, uh, we're both some D bags at, at times. And I think, you know, as men, uh, if you can admit that you are a D bag and you do D bag things, cause you know, there may be some things that some of my friends do that aren't, you know, if they do it, they're not D bags, but if I see somebody else do it, then they're D-bags. So I'm also a hypocrite. So uh, I don't know. It, it's just funny. It's a it's a really fun conversation. We like to get together and just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. But uh, good conversation today. We talk about his antelope hunt. We talk about his upcoming hunts. Uh, we talk about my upcoming hunts. And, the, and then we get into the shit flinging. So it's a, it's a fun episode. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it, especially for a Friday. And especially if you're driving down the road, heading to an out-of-state hunt, if you're going to go chase velvet, if you're going to be uh, chasing antelope or elk or whatever, and you're spending some time in the car, this is definitely an episode that you want to listen to. But you're already listening to it so just keep going but as always we got to hop into some commercials real quick huge fan of exodus trail cameras actually tomorrow if all of my cards are just like i'm I'm, my son's just coming out of being sick for this whole week and the goal is to drop down to my farm uh, that i have access to and go check some trail cameras and put a couple more up 
and I need to do this so bad. If I don't, I'm not going to be able to do it until I start hunting in October. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out if I can go tomorrow or not on, or well, it would be today when you're listening to this because it's supposed to rain and I have to go get my mount for my taxidermist. So it's all this, all this stuff that's packed into an extremely short window uh, of time that I, I'm, I'm trying to accomplish. And of course, I'm going to have to cut it short and I'm not going to get everything out that I want to get out. But regardless, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun getting out. Maybe I'll try to check one or maybe two trail cameras uh, and see what the deal is there. But I don't know why I'm why i'm going through this This is supposed to be a commercial about exodus they're badass camera okay exodusoutdoorgear.com first thing you need to do is go and uh, hit their shop button go to their website hit their shop button click on trail cameras and then just browse through the options that they have and find the one that's right for you i will tell you this you turn their camera on and it will work period now there's a ton of functionality like the lift has a a really quality lcd screen um the exodus trek is one of those cameras that uh is more affordable less functionality but i like that in a trail camera i like the the fact that you don't need to uh you don't need to have all these different options really i want my trail camera to turn it on set it out and have it take pictures of deer boom but at the same time i also like uh checking my phone every once in a while in the mornings and in the evenings and uh seeing what what pops up through the 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 exodus render that they have it's a it's a 4g lte camera and uh so take a look at all the options there and what else they have a about let's see here yeah so they have a five-year warranty which is unheard of in the trail cam game they have a five-year theft policy that you should definitely uh um read up on basically if you are let's see i'll just read this part we're happy to say that all of our cameras are also backed by a five-year 50 percent off theft and accident accidental damage policy so if you break it or someone steals it, you call them up, you tell them your spiel, and they'll sell you a new one for 50% off. Boom. That's a win. So exodusoutdoorgear.com. Next one, talk about these guys all the time. Best, in my opinion, tri- uh, tree stand on the market. Four sticks and an assault is my run and gun set. I don't do any type of mods except maybe wrap hockey tape around the um, certain parts of the certain parts of the uh, uh, the stick and the stand to quiet it down just a little bit. But other than that, I'm running it raw and uh, I love it. Like it is now a second, a third, fourth, however, whatever appendage. It's, it's just another appendage that I absolutely love. And uh, I, it's quiet, easy to set up, easy to tear down. And uh, if you decide to go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com I can save you $50 off of uh, your order any order over $200 by entering the discount code 9FC21 9FC21 50% off for your order hang-ons lock-on sticks and some other accessories there and then we have What's the next one? Okay. Uh, Excalibur crossbows, man. So I talked to these guys. They were interested in, um, they were interested in uh, doing a deal with me, right? And I'll just kind of tell you the background. 
And I'm just like, man, I don't shoot a crossbow because in Iowa is where I spend most of my time. And I can't like there's, I can't legally shoot a crossbow, but they gave their spiel and they talked to me about the business and talked to me about their 30 years in business, um, and the durability. And they've talked to me about the, um, the engineering that goes behind it, the material that goes behind it, the durability, and basically you can beat the shit out of their crossbows and it will still perform uh, for you. And I liked what they had to say. So I decided, hey, I'm a, I'll sell them an advertising slot. So if you or someone you know is looking for a high quality, durable crossbow with a small learning curve, you need to check out Excalibur. Um, ExcaliburCrossbow.com is the website. And uh, if you go to the Hunting Gear Podcast, uh, I think it's Todd Snader. He's like a, he's a guru over there and he talks about the crossbows. He talks about the functionality of them, all that stuff and why potentially that you should, uh, you know, why you should check it out. The, uh, their new crossbow is a, uh, it's called the Excalibur twin strike. And that bad boy has two knocked arrows. So you can pull two triggers one at a time and one arrow will fly. And if uh, that doesn't do the job, I guess, then you can use the the second arrow as well. It's pretty, uh, pretty unique design, pretty badass. So Ex- ExcaliburCrossbow.com and they're doing a huge giveaway right now, it looks like. So if you go to the uh if you go to their website you can enter in and enter their uh their giveaway the looks like uh, a white tail texas hunt a quiet cat and potentially a polaris uh, side by side or something like that so it's badass lastly one of the most underrated products uh, that's on the hunting uh, market a lot of guys go oh, i don't need this i hunt the wind uh, I, I know woodsmanship that's great but when it comes to cleaning my clothes. I don't like to wash them every single day. It's an absolutely huge process where I know guys who wash their clothes before and after every hunt, or at least uh, after the evening hunt every night. Some guys are switching out and they're washing them before and after every hunt. That to me is absolutely ridiculous. And that's why I I use ozone to dry wash all the odor off of my, off my clothes. I can set it, hang it up. When I come in for my morning hunt, run a cycle, the dry, the ozone kills all the odor and bacteria. I slide it back on and I feel fresh going into the timber. Uh, like it's just been out of the wash, man. Uh, ozone does some absolutely amazing things, both in the field and in the garage, you know, when you're, when you're, uh, sent, to cleaning all the, the odor off your, off your, your gear. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, go to ozonicshunting.com and then click on shop and then click on value packs. Okay. If you go to their value packs, they have combos there, which offer a ton of savings. A lot of guys bitch about the price, but there's a a whole bunch of different packages and options um, that, you know, you can save a lot of money by going and and purchasing it there. It is, I'm telling you right now, if I forgot my Ozonics at home, just like my release, I would turn around, go and, uh, and drive it. That's how much I 
I like using that. It's, it just makes me confident, more confident downwind and more confident on my access route. So there's that. Ozonixhunting.com. And I do have a discount code for that as well. And that is if you purchase one of their units, you can enter a discount code uh, NFC21, NFC21. And you can, uh, what can you do? you can get a free dry wash bag with your purchase. But here's what I'll say. Right now, they're running a huge special. So go take advantage of that. I think all the information is on their website, ozonixhunting.com. All right. Thank you very much for listening to me whore out for the past five minutes or four minutes or whatever. Uh, Appreciate it. Now let's get into two hypocrites bitch about being douchebags. Three, two, one. All right. Once again, my brother... My bow hunting brother from another mother, <laughs> Mr. Allegedly. Just, yeah, allegedly. We don't know. There's still a paternity test in uh, <laughs> up up in the air. But uh, Justin Czar, what's up, man? What's up, buddy? I feel like we haven't talked in a while. I know fall is quickly approaching, so everybody's mojo is getting worked up. The testosterone is rising. Yep. Hopefully this hot air has moved out for a little while. We're going to have a cool down as we head into fall. So starting to feel it. feels like a good time to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm starting to get fired up for, uh, you know, fired up for my September hunt, right? I got uh, Nebraska mule deer coming up. I got October mule deer coming up. And then obviously uh, the whitetail rut and uh, all things whitetail here in Iowa. But... I got a I got a question for you because this is something that I um, have been kind of going through in the past handful of weeks and months and whatever. So I was having this I was having this problem uh, where I had you know up up to forty five yards I was shooting pretty good, and then I started getting into that 50, 60, 70 yard range. I started to like my consistency just kind of went all over the place, and I wasn't doing very well i have since started to come out of that and start getting accurate again at about 60 you know the 60 yard and in, in, in range and i was kind of curious as far as an archer is concerned do you ever go through periods of time where your act accuracy kind of falls off and then you have to like i don't know center yourself again and, and get your accuracy back I entered one of those periods where my accuracy fell off, Dan, and I never came out of it (laughs) 20 years ago. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, archery is such a mental thing, you know, so I think we all go through it. It's kind of like a slump in in baseball, like with hitting, you know, it's just so mentally based. So, yeah, I think we have all gone through it. You know, I certainly don't shoot far distances very often because I just don't typically hunt at those, but um, with about three and a half weeks or so until I head to Colorado the next couple weeks is crunch time for me. Um, so I need to kind of fine tune my stuff, especially after my lack of long range shooting accuracy in Wyoming. So I, uh, I get better hit the drawing board and get my stuff figured out here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So right now, I don't know, do you do anything different? Because right now I'm, I'm in that one arrow I don't know why I do this. Uh, I think some I read somewhere that somebody else did it. So I was like, hey, I'll give it a shot. And I kind of like the idea where right now I'm not shooting multiple arrows at the same distance. I'm taking one arrow 
in my quiver. I leave the rest in the garage and I'll go out and I'll shoot one arrow at a time. Do you do anything like that or, or change your, your shooting approach throughout as you lead up into the um, hunting season? Sure. I've definitely done that before. My dad was a big advocate of that when I was a kid, we would just take one arrow and go out and practice. Like a lot of times before we'd leave, let's say for like an afternoon hunt in our tree stands, he, we'd take one arrow and shoot it before he went out. You know, it was the old adage, like, you usually don't get more than one shot in an animal, so the first one better make it count, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've definitely done that in the past. I think for me, at least, um, if I start to notice a mental issue that I'm having, you know, I've fought target panic off and on for, for many years, and I still do fight it, you know, even today. Uh, I'll go in and I'll do some shooting drills, um, I'll switch back to my re- resistance release. I'll just shoot really, really close range uh, in my basement. I'll shoot with my sight off. I'll blank bail. I'll do stuff like that that's just helping with my release process and, and my focus. And it's not so much a, a, a physical thing as it is a mental thing. So if I find myself struggling with the mental side of it, that's what I'll do. Uh, when it comes to just the physical side of being a, a, able to execute those longer shots, I don't think anything can just replace the repetitive nature of shooting at those longer distances. So there's some times that where I'll go out and I won't shoot under 50 yards. You know, I'll take a half dozen arrows and I'll shoot them at 50, 60, 70, go grab them, come back and just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it over and over again. You know, and, and everybody's said it before and, you know, we all know how it goes, but I mean, you shoot those farther distances, then all of a sudden you take a 30 or 40 yard shot. It feels like, nothing right you know and a 20 yard shot you're like are you sure that's 20 yards feels more like 12 yeah um so yeah shooting those longer distances i mean in that from the physical side of things really helps your form you know you do have to watch your your second axis or your level a lot more at the longer distances um executing your shot better because everything's just magnified the farther out it goes so it helps to clean up a lot of the physical stuff i feel like just the repetitive nature of shooting longer distances but for me i've never I'm not going to say I've never struggled with it. I struggle less with the physical side of executing than I do with the actual mental side of it and having target panic where my, my pin freezes maybe below the target or for me more than anything, it's more of like a jerking issue that I have in multiple aspects of my life. But, but you know, it's like that, that pin hits the target and my body just wants to, to, jerk and get get the bow to go off right away and it's like a flinch yeah and i end up missing by like a mile so yeah. that's the thing i struggle with the most yeah that's same here that's the biggest thing for me once you know i'll be honest i don't necessarily shoot all year round like during the winter months i like december once uh once my season is officially over january and february march and typically April, I'm not shooting a whole hell of a lot. And then once I do pick the uh, bow up back in early, you know, in the early spring, then that's when, you know, or mid, mid spring, that's when I have to, it's almost like I'm teaching myself by knocking the rust off again. And I know a lot of people should, you know, all the, the hardcore guys out there, like you need to shoot your bow every single day or, or you know, whatever, you know, sure. all year round. So yeah, that's what I I got going on. Uh, sounds like you you kind of got your your method to the madness as well. But uh, Wyoming, you just got back from Wyoming, Wyoming and it sounds like you were per- uh, pretty uh, successful out there. 
Yeah, man, I've, I, I shot another antelope, so that's two years in a row now. So now it's uh, time to give the goats a little bit of a break. But yeah, I shot a good one. You know, I went with Clinton Fawcett, who I know has been on been on the podcast a few times. So, And then I went with Scott Bakken yep. as well, who went with me last year. I think he's been on the show as well. So the three of us hunted. We went out to Dustin's place. Uh, Bighorn Outfitters in Wyoming and let's see I think Scott and Clinton both shot their goats on the very first day uh, so day one which was opening day we went uh, like the 15th through the 18th is when we went and then uh, I spent the first day uh, you know Clinton and I were kind of switching off filming you know for our show so I filmed Clinton and he didn't shoot his goat till like the afternoon of the first day by the time we recovered it got it out uh, and everything it was like 95 degrees so we had to get the thing out pretty quickly after he after he killed it there really wasn't any time to hunt that evening which was fine we kind of just went back to the lodge and, and chilled out for the rest of the the evening and then i hunted day two um went on a spot and stalk and missed uh an antelope it, i don't know how far it was but it was closer than i thought because i shot over his back uh, so that was day, that was kind of the morning of day two, I guess, that afternoon. Uh, Clinton and I decided to jump in a ground blind and we saw some does and fawns with no bucks that afternoon. And then the following morning, we jumped into a different blind and I'd say probably within the first hour or so, had a pretty, pretty good buck come in and I shot him and he was dead. And then we spent the rest of the day relaxing and hanging out with the, with the boys. So it wasn't awesome. a bad trip. How much uh, time do you dedicate to that trip? Like, are you, uh, cause it takes roughly from where you're living, like a whole, what, 18 hours to get out a day. there a day. Yeah. 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 So Scott lives up in, in Wisconsin. He's actually in Eau Claire right now, which was nice because it's kind of on my way. So I got off work Friday nights, about a four hour cruise up to his place. So I drove up there, uh, crashed at his place. His, uh, one of his buddies, Matt actually came with us as well. So we stayed at Scott's house that night. We got up early the next morning and drove out, which was like 12 and a half, I think is what it is, to get out to Wyoming from there. So it's not awful. Um, so, yeah, I left here Friday night. We pretty much drove all day Saturday, got there Saturday afternoon, started hunting. So we hunted uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Technically, our hunts that we booked with Dustin went into Wednesday, but we were all done. Um, so we stayed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then came back on wednesday drove to scott's i stayed overnight there again and then drove the last four hours back actually to the office the next morning because i came to work on that thursday morning so i think like you know was that five days in total something like that gotcha five five and a half days so that that kind of hunt right and um you know to each his own for whoever you know however style of hunt this this hunt that you've been going on for a while kind of seems like it's a low pressure just going to have uh you know fun with the buds type of hunt it's 100 percent what it is absolutely like it's a great way to start the season it's fun to get out see animals go out west do something different but like for us yeah i mean it's about the group of guys that we go with we have a ton of fun just have an absolute blast out there um you know dustin's one of my best friends so i mean to get to go hang out and see him his wife jen is is awesome so you know, for me, it's more about just getting out and hanging out with the guys. You know, killing stuff obviously is the, the, the goal, um, but it's kind of a bonus. You know, but the thing with the early season antelope hunt, especially with an outfitter, is most of your, you know, reputable outfitters that know what they're doing are going to have a pretty good opportunity to put you on an, on an antelope. I think there were nine of us in camp that first week and everybody, you know, tagged an antelope. So, I mean, it's super, super high success rates. Like, I don't think you find a higher 
success rate on any sort of archery, like free range archery hunt anywhere. Yeah. Right. You can go, you know, shoot some stuff in Texas or, or Africa or something. But I mean, for a free range animal, hard to get higher success rate than a, than an outfitted archery antelope hunt, yeah. you know, a DIY hunt they're a lot harder. You know, there's no question about it. The DIY spot and stalk public land antelope hunts are significantly more challenging than, than what we're doing. Right. Yeah. But it's all about fun. Right. And, um, I tell you, yep. it's something like I, I see, like, I know Justin, uh, excuse me, Dustin, I know Dustin, I know, uh, you and, and some of the other crew, you crew that you roll with out there. And it just, like, it looks really fun. And I think, you know, you know, I, at some point I, I want to get out and hunt antelope, but I, I feel like I want to do it the fun way and maybe pull a couple buddies with me or pull my stepdad with me, uh, and go out and do an outfitted hunt for an antelope just for the, the fun aspect of it all. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I tell everybody like the, the guided early season antelope hunts, like if you want to do a guided hunt out West, like the reality is, dude, they're not cheap. Right. None of them are cheap, you know, but the antelope is the cheapest of all the ones that you're going to do and probably has the highest success rate. So for somebody that maybe just like, you're like, man, I don't know how often I can afford to do this. Maybe once every couple of years and I want to save up like enough money and maybe you don't, you don't have to draw a bunch of points usually and, and whatnot. So like in my opinion, having done both the mule deer and the antelope and soon the elk, I haven't actually done the elk yet, but I mean, the antelope is like, it's probably the easiest of all the hunts. It's the cheapest of all the hunts you know, there's, there's a lot less pressure, you know, you're hunting, but it's like, you know how it is sometimes when you go on these hunts and you're like super hardcore camping, getting up yeah. super early and hiking. And you're just like, this is, this isn't exactly like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys are, are sitting in blinds. So, I mean, you drive you out to the blind, drop you off, you sit in there with a cooler full of food and drinks. And yes, it's hot as hell, you know, 95 degrees sitting in the ground blind sucks. Um, but I mean, if that's the worst thing you got to deal with for a couple of days, it's really not that bad. Right. Right. And lots of opportunity. It sounds like tons of opportunity. Yeah. yeah I mean, obviously if you want to hold out for, you know, a certain size antelope, you know, it can make it a little bit more challenging, but if you're looking for like a decent goat, like, man, they're, they're pretty plentiful. Although I, I will say, I was just talking to somebody else about this recently. A lot of times when you see, um, you know, cause obviously we filmed, our hunts. We, we aired the episodes on bow hunter die already. Everybody knows that Dustin's on our team. He's one of our friends. So like a lot of people look from the outside looking in, just like assume that you know, <laughs> Dustin's saving, saving the best spots for us. Right. Right. All oh, like your buddies come and you're going to bring them to the best spots. Well, uh, one of the areas that they outfit had a pretty significant antelope die off like two years ago. And the population really hasn't bounced back yet. And that's the area that he's put us in the last two seasons, <laughs> you know, because he's actually like, look guys, like you're my buddies and you're coming out here. And like, I feel like more confident in your desire and ability to really work to get an antelope. And I want my other paying clients to like have a really good time and right. see a ton of antelope and you guys are kind of going to get the shaft. We're going to have to go work for it. So it's actually the complete opposite of what people would think like, Oh, they put you in the easy area. <laughs> stuck everybody else. It's like, no dude, it was complete opposite. Right. You know, of that. I mean, we went, I mean, just to tell you like last year when Scott and I went, we, we hunted the same area that Clinton hunted. And I think we went on four stalks before noon, like the first day. Um, on this year we went on one stalk 
uh, by like three in the afternoon. Like we went on our first stalk when Clinton finally shot his goat. But I mean, we drove and drove and drove and glassed and looked, and it was, it was dismal. I mean, we went probably a couple hours without seeing a goat one day and it was super, super hot. So the animals were kind of just laying down. And when those antelope lay down, even in what looks like the wide open sagebrush, they could be really hard to see. Yeah. Um, Clinton got car sick at one point, had to jump out of the backseat of the truck and throw up. So it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. We had a good time. That's crazy, man. Um, so let's see out West there. I know you've done mule or let me ask you this. Have these, uh, antelope that you've been, uh, hunting out there throughout the years, have you ever shot one big enough to mount or do you Euro mount them or do you even keep the head at all? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mounted the one that I shot last year. Uh, he wasn't a huge goat. He didn't quite make Pope and young, but he was really cool. Cause he, his, his horns curled in really deep and he had pretty good cutters, but he was short. So it didn't quite make Pope and young. The one that I shot this year, um, looks like, I, I mean, I scored him myself and I think he'll just squeak into Pope and young, Pope and young on a, on a, on an antelope is 67 inches. And, uh, this year mine was like 68 and a half, something like that. Almost 69. Yeah. Um, so I may get him mounted. I'm kind of decided, I'm deciding what to do. So I brought this, we caped it out. I brought the, the hide home. It's in the freezer, brought the skull home whole because I wasn't sure if I was going to do a Euro or if I was going to mount it because mounts are just so damn expensive these days. Yeah. It's like 800 bucks to get a freaking uh, mount damn. right now. So yeah, it's ridiculous. So I did clean, I boiled the skull out and everything. So I got the Euro mount actually done already. Uh, so I'm just going to hang it up for the time being. I'm going to leave the cave in the in the freezer, and I'm going to see how my whitetail and elk seasons kind of shake out here. And I'll decide at the end of the season what my my budget for taxidermy is and which animals are getting mounted and which ones are just going to be skulls on the wall. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I d- antelope is definitely one of those animals that I want to uh, – you know, go and hunt. And I think, I don't know if I'm going to do it next year or the year after, depending on if I draw uh, an elk tag, but I have, I don't know, Wyoming has that point, that preference point system where you can, even if you don't hunt, you just buy a preference point. And I believe this upcoming year I'll be having seven preference points. So that can pretty much get me, especially with a bow in any almost in any unit in the state for antelope sure and uh for, oh yeah yeah for antelope for sure yeah i mean most of the time we don't even have points where we're going but yeah. the thing with dustin's areas too is that there's not a ton of public in this area just in general there's some blm land and stuff but there's just not a lot of it yeah um so it, it tends to you know mostly be kind of guys doing outfitted hunts and whatnot yeah. but yeah i mean seven i mean i haven't i guess i haven't looked into antelope points everywhere in the state but i would think that would get you damn near anywhere you want to go yeah yep absolutely i just think it would be cool to, and, and i want to get one big enough to mount and i don't know it's yep. like for me an antelope you know and i've never i've only hunted them once and i've missed my i missed my opportunity i shot low and uh i i don't know there's i just I want a wall full of different species, not just whitetails. And uh, someday yeah. I'm going to... and that's how I was. Yeah. That's why I got... I have one mule deer on the wall, I have one antelope on the wall, and then a pile of whitetails. You know, and that's why I'm like, man, I kind of want to get the one mounted that I shot this year because he is bigger and he's kind of cool. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, 800 bucks is a lot of money for a mount. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, yeah, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I'm going to change the subject here. 
Um, sure. But I don't know why this popped into my head. <laughs> are your kids uh, past the Paw Patrol stage, or are are they currently in the Paw Patrol stage? Your youngest ones. Uh, my youngest one is, well, so here's what I've found out, right? My youngest one would probably be firmly in the Paw Patrol stage if he was like the only kid or the oldest kid. But since I have older children, they of course expose him to all sorts of other things. Uh, yeah. So I feel like he's kind of mid, like he watches it occasionally, but uh, he's kind of out of it. Yeah. You know, the older ones are, are making the younger one grow up faster than they did. Right. Right. Yeah. That I can see that. Cause that happens a little bit, but my, my son, ju- my youngest son just watched the, there's a new Paw Patrol movie out anyway. And, uh, so then he, now he starts to watch the, the actual series and the cartoons again. Have, do you know the, the character Jake from Paw Patrol? Do you know, do you know who that is? He's like the snowboarder. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. He's a pothead. They yeah. I feel like, Oh, he's a total pothead. Yeah, they don't. They don't come you, out. Jake. Yeah, they don't come out and say it. But just the way he talks, it's like, uh, "Oh, hey, pops, what's up, bro? Oh, what are you guys doing today, bro? I'm gonna hit the slopes." Like, <laughs> like according to uh, Wikipedia, no, PawPatrol.fandom.com. Jake is an expert snowboarder and ski patroller. So yeah, yeah. by default, he's, yeah. he's a pothead. He, he could definitely be in one of those 1980s ski school movies. They were great movies. Yeah. You know, like ski, you, patrol. ski school, ski school, ski great patrol, movies. anything with the word ski in it, you know, and then they have like the parties where the chicks get naked in the hot tub and you hope your mom doesn't see you watching it. Of course. Yeah. So there's that. I don't know why I thought about that, but <laughs> fair enough. Paw Patrol. Anyway, appreciate that. Okay, so the kids are just into watching like YouTube videos. It's yeah. out of control. Or my oh. daughter's watching. She's watching TikTok videos, but on YouTube because we won't allow her to watch TikTok on TikTok or have TikTok. So she yeah. watches TikTok videos on YouTube. What a world! What a time to be alive, Dan. Yep, absolutely. Um, you really got to be careful though, because uh, we were watching. Uh, you know, my kids were watching what I thought was Peppa Pig the other day, but it was a different artist. So this guy's basically ripping off Peppa Pig. Um, it almost looks exactly like Peppa Pig, but there's it's it could and it, you know what it could be a Peppa Pig, but the voiceovers are dubbed. So like mm. the dad the dad will walk into the room and the boy was playing with some dinosaurs and the dad's like. What are you doing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> what are you guys watching? What are you guys Yay. watching? So you gotta get the YouTube kids. They got a YouTube kids app, so yeah. you don't have to deal with that yeah. shit. I know. I even have the but, uh, I even have the safety on. I know. And they still get past it. Yep. They're smart. It's crazy. They're smart. So when's your elk hunt? We go um we're hunting late, actually, the last week in September. So I think we hunt like the twenty fifth through the 30th is when we're going okay so we got a few weeks here i got some more arrows on order i gotta build up and get everything fine-tuned before we go yeah and this is in colorado colorado yeah. Colorado. so yeah. it's uh north central colorado i believe yeah. yeah did you have you done any research out there about like wildfires or a drought conditions or anything like that and how it's impacted the elk I guess I, I, I I haven't, but I mean, I don't know about Colorado, but when we were in Wyoming, there was fires in Montana, not too far North of us. 
and the the air quality was t- terrible. You couldn't see anything. My eyes were killing me. Like Dustin's kind of in the foot of the Bighorn Mountains. Like we couldn't even see the mountains at all. Like the entire time we were there, it was so smoky. Yeah. So, but no, I haven't really looked into Colorado or if there are fires anywhere near where we're going. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious because I went out to Oregon a handful of weeks ago, and uh, you know, the guy when we were when we flew into Portland and started driving south, this one guy's like, "Yeah, uh, typically you can see." Uh, a big mountain over here and another mountain range over here but the the smoke was just so thick that uh, it wasn't until like the last day that we had some ocean air yeah push it push its way through and kind of clear everything up but yeah that that wildfire stuff is nasty man yeah dude it was uh it was it was pretty gross yeah so i'm just looking at the, the, the wonderful internet has like a map of active wildfires in colorado and it doesn't look like there's anything near where we're going so we'll be west of steamboat near hayden colorado is where we'll be okay. so it doesn't look like we got anything uh too crazy going on over there gotcha all right so you've already gone on an antelope hunt you're getting ready to go on a uh an elk hunt then it's just wisconsin and illinois for whitetails right yeah i think i'm skipping wisconsin this year um probably just gonna be illinois like unless i get lucky and tag out like i did last year then i'll maybe opt either to wisconsin or kentucky or missouri or somewhere with an over-the-counter tag that i can drive to yeah but as of right now the only actual plan once i get back from colorado is is here in illinois gotcha okay so are you set? Like, I know your gear's probably ready, other than you said you got to build some arrows. Your, you know, your preparation, I mean, are, are you, as far as gear, as far as uh, your bow tuned, all that stuff, are, are you good to go? Or are you, quote unquote, ready? I hope so. I mean, I just got back from a hunt, so I'd, I better be ready, right? right? I mean, um, you know, I, I have two bows. I have one set up and shooting really, really well right now. The other one is kind of not as good. It needs some tuning help. So I'm going to do that over the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure which one of the two that I'll bring, you know, with me, whichever one I'm shooting better when the yeah. time comes um, is what I'll end up doing. But, yeah, I mean, gear-wise, I think I'm good. You know, I didn't really change, to be honest with you, much of anything for this year. I mean, obviously, because of our relationship with Matthews, we, we get new bows, but I got – I got my V3 like a year, almost a year ago now. So it's not like really new um, for me. So, I mean, everything, everything I think is good there. Like I said, I didn't really change anything. I mean, boots, clothing, backpacks, like binos, everything's pretty much the same as last year. Didn't change release or, or anything. The only real, any sort of real difference for me this year, gear wise, I'll probably do a little bit more saddle hunting than I did last year um, for whitetails here. But outside of that, I think, pretty much is everything is everything the same which is yeah. kind of nice to be honest with you yeah. <laughs> sometimes like you know changing sucks and then yeah. sometimes you change and you realize you know you should have never changed you like the old stuff better yeah so i everything i have is working pretty well i'm kind of sticking with it yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you this um i ordered a, a, a brand new bow but because of the world right every, a lot of bow manufacturers are behind on getting uh yeah you know getting everything out to people and I was hoping to have the the new bow ready for this first hunt that I'm you know taking in about twelve days, and it's not going to be ready. I mean, even if it does come today, 
I'm not going to take it out there because I'm shooting pretty good with my, uh, with my current setup. And I thought about this is like, yeah, the new, the new equipment is great, but there's this whole portion of shooting new gear all the time that just, you know, the setup, the tuning and all that stuff that you don't have to necessarily do when you just shoot the same bow. So I've, I've been shooting the same bow now for like going on three or four years now. And I love it because I'm not having to, to tweak anything really just, you know, pull it up, maybe make some adjustments, you know, based off wear and tear throughout the previous season, maybe add a new string if it looks like it's worn down, but the, you know, I just kind of fall back into a groove again. And, uh, dude, that is, I, I really like that. Yeah, I do too. And I've said this, I know this is like one of those problems where people are going to be like, you know, spare me douchebag. Like this isn't a real problem, <laughs> but like a lot of times we get new bows like during hunting season, Yeah, you know, so we'll get a new bow, let's say maybe a month before it's released to the public. Uh, and so I'm like trying to set it up and tune it like, here at the office maybe during my lunch break or after work and then i gotta take it out and i try to shoot it a little bit and like last year when i shot my second buck here in illinois i had spent a couple hours that day shooting my v3 in my backyard but it was just it just wasn't flying as good as i needed it to be and i and i just didn't have time to mess with it i was going hunting that afternoon so i left it at home and took my vxr and of course that's when i shot my deer yeah was that evening. So I was like, shit, you know, I wanted to shoot it with the new bow, but like, it is kind of a pain in the ass. I mean, some, sometimes once you get something set up and shooting good and working good, like you just don't want to mess with it. There's a level of confidence there. Uh, but I will say this, like, dude, my V3 is lights out. Like the one that I just took to to Wyoming with me, that thing, like I I missed an antelope, but that was a hundred percent my fault. It had nothing to do with the bow. Like that bow is shooting as good, if not better than any any bow i've had yeah um but if i have two of them i have a 27 and a 31 my 27 is just dialed in and dead on my 31 i'm struggling with a little bit it's not it's not the bow it's me um and and i haven't fully done all my tuning to it yet i kind of just set everything up and took it out and i was like something's not right here yeah and then i put it away and took my 27 out and just finished setting that one up instead so i'll get that 31 dialed in here shortly because i think that's going to be my primary deer hunting bow once i get back yeah that new bow that i ordered is one whole inch longer of a draw than what i've been shooting in the past years i went to uh i ended up going to a bow shop and the guy i said Hey man, I'd like to try these bows out. And he's like, uh, what, what's your draw length? And I said, uh, 29 and I draw back. He goes, dude, you're short everywhere. You're a 30. And so he does some measurements on me. He's like, you should be shooting thirties. And, and I said, okay. That, did he measure your wingspan? He, he did. So he did a measurement, but then he saw when on my 29, you know, my head leaning in a little bit to, for the contact and then my elbow my elbow bent a lot too. So if I, mm. if I, if I had a 30, right, that arm goes out a little bit more and I get full extension and I don't have to lean in to, you know, for the kisser button sure. and the peep sight and all that stuff. So he's like, uh, you, you here, try this. And it felt more comfortable. I'll be honest with you. So that, that new bow tech that I ordered is dude, I shot so many bows this, uh, this off season. And I ended up, going with uh the bow tech because i liked it the best but 
the um, I do like their uh that system they have for being able to adjust the cam position yeah. within the limbs, like yeah. the tuning, like that that's pretty slick. Yeah, without Not a press. Like that yeah. that's that's a super, super slick system they've got. Yeah, absolutely. And so um I so that means new arrows and so basically I have to I have to just put new everything on uh you know on so I could you know get set sure. up again you know so it's a it's a it's a brand new 100 setup now here's what i did i have an old bow that i i ended up uh scrapping for parts basically i took the the rest off of it moved it to another bow took the side off and i, I moved it to my current bow and then so i had this bare bow just kind of sitting uh there and so i went and bought a whisker biscuit and I had an old one of those. Uh, I think. Do you? I don't know if no. You you guys use HHA, but you've heard of those mm-hmm. React sites from Trophy Ridge, where you just yeah, where yeah, you sight it in twenty and, and thirty, 20 and then the rest of them are yeah, automatic. The yeah, for you. Yeah. Yep. So I put that whisker biscuit on just because I I wanted a rest. I wanted to shoot this bow, but I didn't want to spend a lot of money to do it. So I bought like a forty dollar whisker biscuit, and I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I love my ripcord dropaway rests, but that whisker biscuit's kind of slick. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And it's, it's not fancy. <laughs> I shot one for years. Yeah. didn't. I mean, we all shot them back in the day for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know people that still shoot them. There's yeah. nothing wrong with them. Yeah. And depend on, depending for on your average you... guy just shooting whitetails at like 30 yards and in, like, there's nothing wrong with them. I know a lot of people like laugh and look down their nose at them, but I'm telling you, man, for just a pure hunting rest, like, no, I'm not going to go win the Vegas shoot with it, but for just going and killing deer, like there is absolutely nothing wrong with right. the rest. Right. Absolutely. You know, and it depends on who you talk to. The more moving parts, the more, you know, they're the, the more, uh, op- likely op- for something to break or go yeah, wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And so I like, I don't know. So I don't know. I, I I've been, I've been bouncing back and forth between those two bows. One's for fun, basically, and one is that I'm going to be taking on my hunts. And I don't know; they're both they're both fun to to hunt. I just I don't know. I just I find myself tinkering a little bit more with sure. my bows now than I did a handful of years ago. Yep, I do the same thing. So, so let me ask you this, because everybody needs to know the if you don't know the answer to this question, Dan, you don't belong bow hunting. Okay. Okay. How Shoot. much does your arrow weigh? <laughs> uh, now, if I answer, give you a serious, you're going to call me a douchebag. And if I play it off with a joke, then you'll be like, oh, he's lying. He's st- still a douchebag. You're bag. still a douchebag. Right, right. I don't care. 512 oh, grains. Your, what do you do? 512? 512. That's not bad. Mine's right like 503, something like that. Yeah. 512 we're, we're neck and neck why would i say you're a douchebag you think you, that's heavy that's not a heavy arrow well, that's the that's, that's the, nothing that's, unless you're 600 plus you're not a true heavy arrow you're person. not a real man you're not a real man yeah if, yeah unless yeah. you're unless your arrow can go through a uh a ford f-150 door <laughs> you're not a real man from front to back too, yeah long that, ways so gotta go through the engine block so what was it uh the what are the two like everybody complains about arrow weight or you hear the guys who like to joke online they're always joking about arrow weight and guys who hunt out of saddles so yeah. I, I know my arrow weight and i i like a heavy arrow and you 
hunt, you know your arrow weight and you hunt out of a saddle. So does that mean that you're a bigger douchebag than me? Dan, I've always been a bigger douchebag than you. So yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. So we had our, uh, we had our bowhunting.com, like, uh, call it pro staff if you want. I hate that term, but we had our team meeting this past weekend where we had a bunch of our video guys come in, you know, to just kind of go over what we're doing for the season. We do a little awards banquet and all sorts of stuff like that. We had a few dudes show up or not show up because they're sick with COVID like everyone else in the world right now. But we had a bunch of guys get together this weekend and we did that. And actually, um, the, uh, the two owners of tethered Greg and Ernie came over because we're working with those guys. Now we got to meet them on Saturday and they gave us a rundown of like how they rig all their gear and stuff. And dude, it's, it's cool. I like, like the cool thing about the saddles is like, there's so many different things you can do with them. Uh, and rig your shit and different ropes and climbing methods. And it's just like, it's like a DIY, like wet dream, you know, for all the different stuff you could do with a saddle. You know, I hunted out of it a few times last year. I'm still planning on doing most of my hunting, to be honest with you, out of fixed position stands that were set before the season. Like as much as I love the run and gun thing, and I think it's cool and it has its place. Like I, at 41 years old now, I like going out into the woods and climbing up into a tree stand that's already there and all my shit's there and all my my lanes are trimmed and then that's that's my preferred way to hunt but i do a fair amount of running gun and moving around and trying different stuff out and i will you know be given the the saddle a little bit more love here i think this year yeah certainly has it has its place i think it's cool i, I think those guys are cool that i met like i, I got a cool company cool yeah. name like i just i just like it i just think it's cool yeah you know and that yes that makes me a douchebag and that's okay because i've always been a douchebag <laughs> so like whatever <laughs> next next thing you know i'll have 650 gray arrows and single bevel heads there you go and i will complete my transformation <laughs> how do you feel about crocs dan Talk i do about crocs i I've, i wear them so much that i had to throw my pair away and get a new pair Nice, good. Yeah. I have a solid croc tan going myself. Yep. I used to be very much against crocs. I hated them. I thought they were like the lamest things ever. And there was a bunch of dudes on, on my video team for Bowhunter Die that would wear them all the time. And I always made fun of them. And then when I got my boat a couple years ago, I needed like something that I could easily like get wet in the water with and not have to worry about. Like I didn't want to do flip flops. So I bought a set. Like I was like, oh, God damn it. I'm going to buy a set of these stupid things. And I just fell in love with them. And yeah. I actually called... I called the guys on my team that I used to make fun of. I called them one day on the way home from work. I'm like, I want to apologize for the years of mental abuse of me making fun of you because you were right and I was wrong. And these are the greatest footwear that the world has ever known. All right. So we've talked about it. Let's be honest about the douchebags. The, the, let's just, let's say douchebag level, right. And stereotypes okay. within the, the hunting community, not necessarily industry, but the community. Right. So you got, a you got a, a group of guys who make fun of other guys because they they shoot heavy arrows and then you have the if i'm going to compare the saddle guys i'll compare the saddle guys to the crossfit guys right it's like you know you're at a funeral this is one of my favorite memes and uh, there's all these people at a funeral and the preacher says, does anybody else have any last words before we lay so-and-so to rest? And this one guy goes, I hunt from a saddle. I thought that, I thought that. <laughs> I love that one. That yeah. one cracks me up. I love that. That's, that's hilarious. So we got the saddle hunting. Oh, by the way, 
I've met the guys that own tethered and they are, they are super cool. I love those guys. Um, and then, uh, so what else, uh, constitutes like levels of douchebagginess throughout the hunting community? Uh, saddle bro, saddle boys. Um, I would say the amount of Sitka gear you wear. Okay. Probably for sure. You know, it's like all like there's certain brands that just like people associate like Yeti. Yeti's another one. Yeah. You know, even though I love my Yeti stuff and I own like an insane amount of it, but I think we've already established my level of douchebaggery is approaching like almost off the meter. Yeah. So I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I think for sure. For me, like none of these things really bother me until people like start kind of becoming. A, they become hypocrites. So I think like a lot of the guys that are super anti-crossbow are, are really hypocrites because ah, they say yes. a lot of them say like crossbow hunting is too easy. Right. But these are the same guys that spend like obscene amounts of money on like whether you're planting food plots and putting heated box blinds in and getting all your the most expensive top of the line gear and cell cameras. And they're like they're doing everything within their power to make their hunt easier. But somehow they draw the line at like the crossbow. Right. Like, oh, my God, if you're with the crossbow, like it's too easy. And it's like, bro, look at you. And you're like two thousand dollars worth of like gear in your food plots and your thirty five hundred dollar box blind with a heater in it. On and everything like. Yeah, and you're saying like, oh, you're the guy with the crossbow's got it too easy, and yeah. it's like, ah, oh, man, that just seems like a really hypocrite thing to say. Yeah. Um, the other, like the heavy arrow thing, I've gone on record many times saying I would prefer somebody err on the side of being too heavy than too light. Yeah, because I think the downside of going either which extreme, uh, the downside of too light is probably higher than the downside of going too heavy. But what bothers me is when people act like if you're not doing this, like you're not ethically shooting and killing <laughs> animals. Like that's the part that's like, come on, dude. Like, give me, give me a break. Yeah. You know, and when we start and when we get on to like arguing about like pass through shots and yeah. penetration and stuff like like it just oh man, it just it's just that's like the one thing that just triggers me. And it's like, I can't walk away from the argument. <laughs> I'm right. like, God damn it. Here we go. Right. Like I'm the guy, like the meme where the guy's like cracking his knuckles, and, like <laughs> getting ready to start typing, you know? So I think for me, like that's, that's, a, that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of hunting gear and products are status symbols, right? I mean, let's face it, it. I've often said this probably even on your show, like hunting gear for dudes is like, shoes and purses for women right. right right like like one expensive purse does nothing better than another purse but it's the fact that you've got one that you want everybody to know you've got it. it's just kind of the american way we're materialistic right i mean right. it is kind of what it, in some regards you get what you pay for maybe you're getting a little bit higher quality of this or that and sometimes i think the the extra is justified but there's some guys that do it just as a status symbol you know yeah. there's the guy that looks like he's ready to go you know climb the rocky mountains for elk that's walking 200 yards to a ladder stand on a food plot right you know and it's like <laughs> they go a little overboard i think that's the that's the true douchebag right i i tell you what so i admit that i'm a hypocrite uh when it comes to a lot of the stuff that um i i guess i would say bitch and complain about right uh with that said you know I admit that in the past and even every once in a while, I'll have a douchebag like herpes. I'll have some douchebagginess kind of flare up uh, and, <laughs> you know, a flare up. Will Just come. never seems to go away. Right. right. Me too. You've, you've admitted that you have certain levels of douchebagginess. We both admit that we, we are 
in a way, kind of douchebags. Now, let me ask you this. Does admitting that we are douchebags make us more of a douchebag? Or does that say, oh, well, these guys admit they're douchebags. We're going to lower the level of douchebags, like the rating system of douchebags. Oh, it's such a loaded question, right? Because you can't win either. You can't win either way. I want to say we're less douchebags okay. because we at least understand it and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Right. I think a lot of the real douchebags, like they get like legitimately angry, you know, about extremely stuff. defensive, like legitimately. Yeah. They yeah. get very defensive yeah. about it. You know, there was, there was, so dude, I don't even know when I did this a year, year and a half ago, I made the little meme where it was a guy looking at his hard to swallow pills and it said, you need to stop worrying about how ever, how heavy your arrow is and start worrying about where you hit the deer. And then like everybody got like super mad. Well, somebody reposted it the other day in a Facebook group that I'm part of. Thankfully they cut my logo off the bottom of it. So like I didn't necessarily get associated with it this time around, but like there was a guy that literally said something like, if you don't know how heavy your arrow is, you don't belong hunting or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, dude, like I hunt with a bunch of people that probably couldn't tell you if you offered them a million bucks, how much their arrow weighs, but like, they're no less of a hunter. Right. You know, I, I've often said, and I feel like this problem is getting worse. People rely on gear to be the end all be all cure to what yeah. ails them when it comes to shooting more or bigger animals when if they worried half as much about their gear and twice as much about becoming a better hunter and understanding the animals they're hunting the land they're hunting how to go about doing things the right way they'd be far more successful right but it's easy to sit on your computer and research and read reviews and watch youtube videos and tinker with stuff in your garage or your basement at night like that's all easy to do the hard work is getting out when it's 95 degrees and humid as hell and there's bugs everywhere and putting some boots on the ground and looking for acorns and sign and hanging stands and getting ready for the season. It's easier to just sit at home and be like, man, if I had a heavier arrow, this broadhead, <laughs> like this deer wouldn't have gotten away from me. I would have right. been able to shoot through the brush or take a quartering on shot. Like there's no angle that's off limits anymore because I have this setup. like rather than just going out and learning how to become a better hunter. That's my opinion. If I would have had a heavier arrow, my tree stand would have been in a better spot. And that deer <laughs> would be dead right now. Yeah. So. Somebody got mad at me the other day because I said something on Facebook of like, if I wanted to start shooting deer that were quartering towards me, I'd become a gun hunter. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Here comes the hate mail. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Hate me, hate me all you want. Yeah. I will say, speaking of quartering towards or frontal shots, dude, last night. So yesterday actually was my birthday. I was sitting at home just chilling on the couch with my son, and he wanted to watch a hunting video. So we pulled up uh, one of the recent hunting public videos where Aaron shot his his bull out in Wyoming. I wanted to watch an elk video. Yeah, right in the chest. And I'm like, oh, man, I want, I'm going to watch this thing. Dude, I don't know. if Have you watched it? Have you yeah. seen that hunt? Yeah. How awesome was that? Oh, like, yeah. Was that not one of the coolest hunts you've ever seen? Yeah. I'll be honest, dude. I shot a doe. Amazing. Years ago, I shot a doe doing the same thing. Like, I was coming out of my stand on a morning hunt and i just kind of crested this knoll there was a doe just right in this edge this field edge kind of just working her way and i still had my bow i had my release on i had my bow in my hand my arrows were all in the quiver and uh she just stood there at like 25 yards or 20 yards facing me took an arrow out knocked it she didn't run drew back i was like "Ah, i'm not gonna shoot it anyway 
didn't run, leveled up, she didn't run, let the arrow go, dude, it was, I don't know, I hate to sound like I'm gore, like gore gets me off or something like that, but I buried it, like fletching deep right into her chest, it went, you know, through her lungs, through her liver, diaphragm, kind of up towards her back, uh, back quarter, like in the ham and stuff. And she, she took like four steps and just fell over dead. And I don't know that that's when that, when things like that happen, it's just really, really sweet. Oh, no doubt. It's badass for sure. I mean, I've, the thing is like with, on those frontal shots, I've been a part of, I don't know how many of them either that I've taken or been with other people or been on tracking jobs. And it just seems like the recovery percentage on those is relatively low compared to all the other tracks. It seems like it's a 50, 50 shot, you know, they're just, you gotta do everything right. And those dang deer can just move so quick, especially on that frontal angle. Like it doesn't take much. I've noticed with this heavy arrow trend that I see a lot more guys taking those shots on on whitetails and a lot of times what i see is like you know i I watched a guy last year shoot one on the ground big buck perfect shot you know he put it right in front of the front shoulder exited behind the shoulder on the opposite side so i mean double lung possibly even heart deer didn't go anywhere blood everywhere you know it was awesome and in in his interview and his recovery and when talking about the hunt starts talking about his heavy arrow setup you know and how this heavy arrow setup allowed him to take the shot and the only thing that was going through my mind was like the heavy arrow had nothing to do with your success on the shot. You could have used a mid range arrow, even with an expandable broadhead and made the exact same shot. He didn't hit any major bones going through there. He laced it right in front of the near shoulder out the opposite behind the opposite shoulder. He didn't hit anything, but ribs. I think we've all made that shot in reverse, right? Come out or come in behind the, the shoulder and then go out in front of the opposite shoulder. Like, yeah. We've all done that before, and it's possible to do, but these guys are like, yeah, man, I did it. I got this heavy arrow set up, and it's like, dude, the heavy arrow set up didn't save your ass. Like, having, like, making a really good shot is what killed that animal. Yeah. And I think there's probably more than a few guys out there that are putting heavy arrows into shoulder blades of deer that are quartering at them that aren't recovering them, but the difference is they're not jumping on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube to preach to the world like how their setup let them down right we're only hearing the positive outcome so my fear is that there's a lot of people that are going out there with this um belief that they can get away with damn near anything you know nowadays because of these arrow setups that they're they're shooting and the reality is they can't yeah so i just you know again i I would preach to everybody like shot placement is key I just wait for wait for a good shot. I mean, if you want to do it, dude, I'm not I'm nobody's dad other than my three kids. And if they want to shoot deer quartering on, I'll kick them out of the damn house. They're not doing it. But everyone else, like whatever, man. I can't control what you guys do when you're out there. If everybody wants to go do it, you know, Godspeed, more power to you. I'm just I'm just not all about that, man. Well, it sounds like someone's on their high horse right now, preaching down to uh, those of us who are beneath you. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my MO, Dan. I mean, do you expect anything less? That's right. Well, hey, man, uh, I appreciate you taking time to uh, hop on the this episode and BS with me. Uh, congrats on an awesome uh, antelope hunt and good luck on your elk and whitetail season, man. And we'll have to c- touch Thank base uh, closer to that uh, that bow season rut time frame, man. Yeah, for sure. When I get back from Colorado, win, lose, or draw, I'll let you know. Maybe we can chat about that and then the upcoming bow season. 
And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Justin. and love when that guy's on. Hopefully someday we're going to be able to share a hunt with each other. Uh, huge shout out to each and all of you for uh, taking time out of your day to listen. Please do me a favor. Subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles. Go leave a five-star review on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Uh, or uh, not YouTube channel. Sportsman's Nation. Uh, God, I'm... I got a brain fart right now uh, on the podcast, wherever you download it. Sportsman's Nation, Nine Finger Chronicles, wherever you listen to this podcast, go leave a five-star review. Tell everybody how awesome it is. If you hate my guts, do me a favor and don't post a one-star review. Uh, Just maybe tell me how you feel via Instagram or or Facebook or something like that. (laughs) But other than that, Good luck out there. Be safe. Wear your safety harness. And remember, this whole hunting thing's supposed to be fun. So let's have a stress-free uh, fall and uh, let's hunt our balls off.